the undraftedfreeagent.com mid-major podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugans. Dort. Oh, my. Brzdikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzdikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowich. They can't stop him. Moncrief! Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh! Welcome, UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast. I'm your host, Chris McKee. Thanks for joining me here on Monday, March 29th on the eve of the Elite Eight happening tonight, starting around 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Just a reminder, on this day in 1982, North Carolina freshman Michael Jordan hits the game-winning shot to lead UNC over Georgetown in the national championship game, a Georgetown team led by Patrick Ewing. So, pretty special day, but who will be the 2021 national championship? We're going to find out pretty darn soon. So, We'll start with tonight's games, go through them a little bit. Um, I have a bunch of player and coach audio from the press conferences leading into this after their wins over the weekend, so we're going to play some of that. Of course, I'm going to give my betting predictions, go through all the stats and analytics of each team, and give you who I think is going to win each game. And for those who listen to the Sweet 16 edition of the podcast, and there's quite a bit of you, I can't believe how many downloads we're getting from all over the world, and of course all across the United States and Canada, but for those that did listen, know that I went 6 for 8 on my betting predictions, and I've been putting a few bucks on these games myself, so naturally, with that kind of record, I've been doing pretty well over the weekend, so i got some more ideas for the games tonight and tomorrow, and uh, we're going to go through that today. So we're going to start with tonight's game, 7-15. we got the number 2 seed, Houston, versus number 12 seed, Oregon State. Houston, 27-3, and the American Athletic Conference champions. And Oregon State, 20-12, and 12, the Pac-12 champs, surprisingly, pulling off the improbable tournament run and winning the Pac-12 conference championships to get here. So Houston got here by running over Syracuse over the weekend, 62-46, led by 13 points and 10 rebounds by Justin Gorham. I, I watched most of the game. It was a um, pretty dominant performance by Houston. And the more I watch Houston... You know, the more I start to think, ooh, this is a team that legitimately has a chance to win the national championship. Now, watch them at the beginning of the year. They were a top five program for a good chunk of the season. Looked really athletic, flying all over the field, hitting shots. And then they kind of hit a little bit of a slow patch somewhere in the middle of the season. And I started to lose a little faith. But the way Calvin Sampson's got these guys playing, I mean, they look really, really good. So here's some audio from Houston guard Dejan Giroux. He's a senior from New Orleans, transferred to Houston, originally started his career at UMass. And he was asked what it feels like to be a part of a Houston team that had the most important win in school history dating back to 1984. And here's Dejan Giroux talking about it. You know, just the great culture that Coach Sampson has built here. Um, you know, just getting um, getting guys to come here and, you know, buy into you know, whatever plan he has for us uh, to be successful. And, you know, we just have a, a group of guys who, who who buys into his plan and listens to him and, you know, just try their best to execute whatever he says. Um, we love Coach Sam very much, uh, and we'll run through a wall for him. 
So for those that don't know, when he was asked about 1984, that was the year Houston made it to the national championship. They actually made it to back-to-back national championship finals in 83 and 84. Lost both times. And this is, we're talking, you know, Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, you know, one of the greatest college teams ever. But lost in 83 to the magical North Carolina State team. And then lost in 84 to Patrick Ewing in the Georgetown Hoyas. So here's head coach Calvin Sampson following the win against Syracuse, just with his postgame comments. I'm just really proud of, um, really proud of my team. We had a great week of uh, preparation. You know, obviously everybody works versus the zone, but I thought we spent more time defensively. You know, taking away the three-point line, <clears throat> that's not easy to do. You say go out there and stop somebody. You, I mean, you've got to have clear responsibilities and great communication, uh, and you can't get hit by screens. Uh, but he's really good off the ball. Uh, you watch him against the last two games. He got he got open a lot, ducking in and out of those screens. And um, but the key is you've got to stay outside his hips. You can't stay inside him. You got to be outside, and, and then the um, the big has to help. But you know, Dejon Giroux, uh I, I thought was uh, tremendous. Uh, he's a tough kid, smart too. Very high basketball IQ. You can't be a great defender if you're not smart. Um, I thought we, we did a great job of um, playing down the middle versus their zone. I thought we had, uh, got the ball inside uh, enough, and that was important. You know, they do a good job of fanning out um, uh, when the ball goes to the high post, but you've got to get the ball under, under the basket and, and um, down the pipe. So, but we did a good job of that. Uh, our guys moved the ball well, you know, having um, 15 assists on 23 baskets uh, was good. And only eight turnovers. You know, we took care of the ball, we passed it, we executed well. And then our defense was uh, solid all night. Holding that team to uh, uh, 46 points is not easy. So hats off to uh, my kids. I'm really proud of them. You know, one of the things I love about that is, like, you can tell Calvin Sampson is just like, he, he loves being a college basketball coach. Like for a dude like me, like I love listening to, you know, coach speak and college basketball coaches just kind of ramble about nothing in the game and their players. And I mean, I just, if you listen to Samson there, that's just kind of like a perfect exemplary uh, example of that coach speak. Kind of love that clip because he says absolutely nothing yet everything in it. And, uh, Love to see that. So Houston is going to face Oregon State tonight, and they got here by upsetting Loyola Chicago 65-58, led by 22 points from Ethan Thompson. Uh, pretty good game. Watched the entire game on the weekend, and um, you know Loyola had some runs, but you could just see there was that point in the game, you know, where you start to get that feeling like, uh oh, this is, this is Oregon State's game. They're going to win this, and so and also I think. The credibility of Oregon State has increased over the past two weeks based on the success of the Pac-12. I know a lot of people were slagging the Pac-12, but not me. I watched a considerable amount of Pac-12 games. You know, I do my, I'm a traffic reporter for a couple of radio stations here in Toronto. For those that are new to the podcast, you can hear me on News Talk 1010 in Toronto five days a week. I'm also on TSN 1050, the sports station doing traffic, uh, Flow 93.5, the hip-hop station, and then on the weekends, I do Jewel 88.5, which is light hits. Um, but uh, yeah, so I work usually till about 10, 10.30 at night, so I watch 
a an insane amount of Pac-12 hoops this year, as well as the Mountain West. I love that conference. And so I watched Pac-12 all year, and I'm like, this is all this nonsense of, oh, they're not that good. They're overrated. Those are the people who are in bed not watching the games, and you know they see a few highlights on SportsCenter or whatever. But if you actually sat and watched them, um, you know, I kind of called the success of USC, you know, Colorado, Oregon, thought they were all capable of deep run, UCLA as well. And here we have Oregon State, who the damn Pac-12 champs. So someone's got to give these guys some credit. So here's guard Ethan Thompson, who has just been unbelievable all throughout the tournament, talking about how the calmness of Oregon State has been key to their success so far. Um, that, that's one thing that we talk about, um, you know, as a team going into the game, uh, into all our past games, really, um, just staying calm. Uh, and the main, main focus is just having fun with each other, believing in each other. And, um, I, you know, I just embodied that today. And, you know, it kind of calmed my nerves, you know, when they, they went on a long run. Um, and, you know, we as a team, we were able to respond by just, you know, keeping a level head. Also, Oregon State head coach Wayne Tinkle with some comments who has just done, I mean, an unbelievable job over the past two or three months. Because, you know, Oregon State, they could have packed this in. Mediocre team all throughout the season. Didn't look like they had any shot of any inkling of this kind of run in them. And here they are, and here's his post-game comments after the win over Loyola Chicago. We're just playing with a lot of confidence on both ends. And, uh, you know, we're a pretty darn good defensive team. And uh, we showed that. And then, uh, you know, timely, timely baskets. You know, we, I think early on we, we, were, we were a little caught in the moment. We weren't as sharp offensively. Plus, they're, they're, they're really good defensively. We, we heard about, you know, that and saw it in, in all the tape we watched. But we settled in and, you know, you just, there's no doubt in our guys' minds. They, they really believe that this is their time. It's what we said before we left the locker room, you know, that we're not going to get rattled. This is our time. It's meant to be. Let's go play ball. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, like I said, they were all very, very calm through it all. So as far as the betting odds for this game, Houston, an eight-point favorite. You know, it, it, this is a really challenging one because that line's so big right now. So just want to go through some of the stats quickly. As far as, you know, offensively and points scored this season, Houston ranks 49th in the country. Oregon State, 179. Houston's key to success is they're the number two ranked defense in the country, other than loyal Chicago, who is now out of the tournament. So Houston, the best remaining defensive team in college basketball, ranked number two in the country. Oregon State, not too bad, 97th. Free throws, this is the one place where Oregon State does have the edge. They're 29th in the country in free throw percentage. And Houston, 82, not too shabby. Houston, number seven in the country in rebounds. Oregon State, number 234. I just think this is where Oregon State's magical run ends. Houston, just the way they're playing, their athleticism, Quentin Grimes, the way he's shooting, uh, just the way these guys are playing as a cohesive unit. They have the ability to win the national championship, and I just think they do cover the eight points tonight over Oregon State. So take the Cougars, minus eight. Write that one down. So the other matchup tonight following that game is Baylor, the number one seed, versus Arkansas, number three seed. Baylor comes in 25 and 2 out of the Big 12, the Big 12 champions. Arkansas 25 and 6 out of the SEC. Baylor got here by beating Villanova 61-52 on Saturday, led by 16 points from Adam Flagler, Davion Mitchell with 14 points as well, and this guy's defense is unbelievable. Out of this world, Davion Mitchell, how good he was in that game in Nova. 
Because you watch the first half, they were brutal shooting from three. I, I can't remember what it was. Two of 16, two of 17, something. They were horrible. Couldn't hit a shot. And there was a feeling of like, uh-oh, like Nova could win this game. Because I had I had hit Baylor and predicted that and put some bones on it as well. And you're like, oh, this doesn't look too good. But they came out in the second half, just said, you know what? Okay, we're not hitting threes. That's cool. We just have so many guards that can come at you. One, we're going to play the tightest D you're going to face all year. And that was led by Davion Mitchell, who was, who was unbelievable. And then they decided we're going to attack the basket. We're just going to play old school, kind of, you know, 1980s street ball. Like, forget this three-point shot. Is like, I'm going to, you know, create space for my guards to go one-on-one -on -one against your guard, and he's going to blow by you. And that's what happened all second half, Baylor's guards, one after another, you know, just attacked, attacked, attacked the basket and kept getting easy shots. And then because of them attacking the basket, the three-pointer started to open up a little bit for them. And that was the nail in the coffin in the win over Nova. So here's head coach Scott Drew with his post-game comments after the win against Villanova. Well, we knew coming into the game, uh, we have so much respect for uh, uh, Villanova. Um, they won two out of the last four national championships. We played them last year in Myrtle Beach, and uh, Coach Wright's a Hall of Famer and uh, a tremendous coach. And uh, their players, uh, uh, they really execute. They never beat themselves, and we knew we had to, we had to, we had to earn it. And I thought uh, uh, first half they did a great job. Second half really uh, commend our guys for coming in and uh, uh, trying to find a way to get better shot selection and try to uh, um, put some points on the board and at the same time uh, get some stops so we could get out in transition. So for those of you that aren't old enough to remember, I mean, Baylor was at one point, I wouldn't even say a laughing stock. It was a disgrace program as far as their basketball. I mean, you know, you go back to 2003, you had one member of the Baylor Bears basketball team shooting and murdering his teammate. So for those that aren't familiar, in 2003, Carlton Dodson shot his teammate, Patrick Dennehy, in, in the head. And so eventually, um, Dodson ended up pleading guilty. He was sentenced to 35 years in jail and ironically is actually eligible for parole this year. You know, Dodson's still alive in prison somewhere in Texas. For those that remember, there was just, even in the years following, obviously this whole situation is tragic, but I just remember seeing Baylor on TV, you know, 2005, 6, 7, 8, and it was kind of like, it was almost kind of cringy. You're like, this is uncomfortable just watching them because there was the shadow of that murder hanging over the program. So for those that don't know, Dennehy, who was the victim in, in the shooting, was a 6'9 forward. He'd played two seasons at New Mexico. He was a pretty good player. He was honorable mention all Mountain West. He decided you know, he wanted to transfer over to Baylor, but never got that opportunity to play, actually, for Baylor because he was murdered prior to that. So Dotson, the killer, played one season for Baylor in 2002 and 2003, played in 28 games and averaged 4.4 points per game, mostly off the bench. So for those that don't understand kind of how special it is that Baylor is in this situation right now to be in the Elite Eight and a number one seed and a legitimate contender to win the national championship, you know, that's something to keep in mind as you, as you watch these games and you're like, you know, I would imagine every player on that team is highly aware of that situation kind of hanging over their head. And so here's Scott Drew talking about just what it means, the challenge he's faced and 
the possibility of taking Baylor to the Final Four. It's something at the beginning of the year, every every team in the country wants to be in the NCAA tournament. Every team in the country wants to go to a Final Four. And uh, we're on the verge of that. And I think uh, uh, in life, experiences always teach you lessons and different things. And hopefully uh, our staff will be uh, able to, to prepare our guys and put them in a good position um, through the two experiences in the Elite Eights before. Baylor is going to face a damn good Arkansas team who got here by beating Oral Roberts 72-70 on the weekend. Oral Roberts star guard Max Aismas had a buzzer beater, three-point shot right at the buzzer that just hit the front of the rim and bounced out. So unlucky. Um, but Jalen Tate with 22 points in the win for Arkansas. I, I mean, you know, I watched the entire game. Oral Roberts should have won the game. Just a little unfortunate, just the way the bounces roll sometimes. It is what it is. But Arkansas escapes and this is a pretty interesting stat. So that win over Oral Roberts was Arkansas's 10th win after they were trailing by double digits or more. Their 10th comeback win this year, including their last five wins you know, in the tournament and the SEC championship as well, they trailed by double digits in every game. Now, that's one of the things I worry about against them, against Baylor tonight. You, you want to trail Baylor by double digits. I don't know if you want to walk that tightrope, but... Either way, here's some comments from freshman guard Devontae Davis, who hit the game-winning shot for Arkansas in the game against Oral Roberts. Well, we, we as a team, we really didn't need a lot of adjustments. We just needed to play harder and, and, and figure out ways to um, get to the basket because the first game we had like 57 paint, paint points, and, and that's what we needed. And we needed paint points, and we, as you've seen, we got to the rim in the second half, and, and we, we out-toughed them, and that's what it came down to. And we figured the, we figured the game out, and Jalen Tate led us, led us that way, and then there comes Moses and Justin and Desi, and the rest of the team contributed as well. So that's, all, that's what we needed for sure. I mean, you know, when we get to this point of the season, who the coach is, is such an important part of the success and the game planning and can they keep their players calm and focused. And obviously Eric Musselman, one of the best in the business, he's as good as they come. And here's his post-game comments following the win against Oral Roberts on the weekend. Really proud of our, our team, especially in the second half with their effort. We've, we've been down now in, in uh, you know, three games and, and found a way to come back regrouped again at halftime, uh, changed up our defense a little bit more where, um, you know, we wanted to trap and leave certain players, give Oral Roberts a ton of credit. I thought they played really, really well, played really hard. Um, you know, we made a decision that, you know, that we were going to try to limit number zero as best we could on his pick and pops. Um, I thought we did a really good job limiting him to seven field goals attempted. Justin Smith did a great job. We just felt like there was no way we could let, you know, both zero and, and three both have big games. Um, and when, you know, when they went to their bench, um, we kind of left uh, the bench players and, and tried to trap the ball. And I thought that really helped ignite our transition offense in, in, in the second half. So as far as analytically, some of the stats I just want to run through quickly to make you aware of before you decide to put some money on this game. So Baylor, as far as points scored, they are the number six offense in the country. Arkansas, however, number 11 in the country, so not too shabby. I mean, that's a coin flip right there. As far as defensively, Baylor, number 49 in the country, Arkansas, 187. 
And then, you know, that number 49 also doesn't do them justice. They're playing in the Big 12. Think of the competition they face compared to a Loyola Chicago, who is number one, and Houston, who was number two, you know, in the Missouri Valley, in the American Conference, not quite what the Big 12 was this year. Big 12 is unbelievable. And so to be number 49, and just the way they're playing right now, if you saw that defensive performance in the second half against Villanova, I don't think I've seen a better defensive performance by any team in this country. So... They're stepping up that level, Baylor defensively. Free throws, here's one area that does concern me about Baylor. Number 210 in the country in free throws. I've talked about this quite a bit, where in these tournament games, we start getting into the bonus, the fouls. Once you hit those eight fouls, you know, can they hit free throws? And Baylor does struggle with that, although down the stretch against Nova, they didn't. But they're number 210 in the country, Arkansas 69. Rebounds, Arkansas has the edge as well. They're the number 18 team in the country, Baylor just number 127. However... Throwing away a lot of that stats, just the way Baylor's rolling right now, I think they're a team of destiny. They're seven-and-a-half-point favorites. I like the Baylor Bears comfortably to roll over Arkansas tonight by 10 or more, so I'm hitting Baylor. So those are the games happening tonight. Hope you guys enjoy that action. I certainly will be watching. Well, I'm, I will be on air doing traffic from seven tonight, so I'll, I'll have my eye on that first game, but I'll have a good chance to watch the entire second game tonight, the Baylor game. So uh, looking ahead to Tuesday's games, we have the number one seed Gonzaga Bulldogs versus number six USC. The Zags have the perfect season going, 29-0 versus USC, who is 25-7. Of course, Gonzaga with a multifaceted attack led by a number of future NBA players. Of course, Jalen Suggs, who I believe is the best player in college basketball. Now, I also believe the second best player in college basketball is Evan Mobley on USC. So maybe those two can cancel each other out. Obviously, completely different positions, completely different players. But as far as talent level and athletic ability, those are the two best players in college basketball who will be on Showcase Tuesday night. Gonzaga, of course, first-team All-American. Corey Kispert, the senior, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Drew Timmy, the sophomore, the big man, that's also going to be a key matchup as well. I don't think a lot of the teams that have faced Gonzaga this year, as far as big man, Iowa, Luca Garza was the only one that kind of went head-to-head with Drew Timmy. And Timmy, I thought, owned him in that game. He's, you know, Drew Timmy, you know, I mentioned last week's pod, I get a vote for the All-American teams because I'm a member of the United States Basketball Writers Association, so I get to vote on Players of the Year, All-American that. I voted Drew Timmy my Player of the Year. But we can also talk about Andrew Nemhart. How good was he in the win over Creighton? Aaron Cook's been outstanding all season. You know, Watson, they're just so deep. So many guys on Gonzaga. But USC, I think, up for the task. They've got some guys of their own. You know, we got the Mobley brothers. Evan talked about the center of the freshman sensation. Lottery pick, I believe. I think there's an argument he could go number one overall. His brother, Isaiah Mobley, who I believe has played himself into, I don't know if he's going to get drafted or not about this year, but I think I think at some point he's going to play in the NBA in his career. They have a couple good guards, including Taj Eady, who I really like. I've followed his whole career since he started out in the Ohio Valley Conference and moved over to Santa Clara and now, you know, just playing unbelievable for USC. But you know, going back to that win for Gonzaga, got here beating Creighton 83-65, led by 17 points and 8 assists from Andrew Nemhart, good Canadian boy. He's from Aurora, which is about 30 minutes away from where I am right now in the Toronto area recording this podcast. And here's Nemhart's comments following the win over Creighton, talking about the pressure of being 29-0. Yeah, I think we always talk about just being us, and we're not, we're not too satisfied about um, like winning a championship, what, what we do with each other and how we make each other better, that's what we're more satisfied with every day. And um, 
So I don't think we see too much pressure in it. And also at, at this point, every every team has to go undefeated now to win, win the tournament. So it's not really pressure to keep that streak. It's just just what, is what it is. You got to think heading into this matchup, all the pressure now on Gonzaga, the perfect season hanging over their head. So USC have exceeded expectations by getting this far. Um, obviously, I think they have ideas of continuing this run, but all the pressure on Gonzaga heading into this matchup. And here's some comments from Mark Few following the win over Creighton on the weekend as well. Hey, it's a great win for us. Uh, once again, I really thought it was our defense that uh, made the difference tonight. They're a, they're a scary offensive unit, especially when you're preparing for them. And, and uh, I thought we did a really, really nice job, especially on the three line. You know, I, we knew they wanted to or probably needed to make 10 threes, and, and I thought we really, you know, chased Playlock all around the floor and we gave up a couple early to uh, Zagorowski, who's really, really, really good. Uh, and then, but by and large, guarded that line really, really good. And then, then I shored up the glass much better uh, in the second half, which uh, got us out running. And that's, you know, when we're at our best. So the USC Trojans got here with an easy win over Oregon. Pretty surprising, 82-68, led by 22 points from Isaiah White and Taj Eady with 20 points as well. Watch the game. I mean, this really was never much of a game. USC was dominant from the get-go, opening up, you know, 12-point lead pretty quickly. And then they kind of kept it there. Oregon had one run in the early second half. I think they went on like a 9-0 run, and they chipped it down to single digits. And then USC called a timeout, settled down, came out, and then went back to dominating the game. The Mobley brothers were just outstanding. Evan Mobley, the younger one, you know, the McDonald's All-American, National High School Player of the Year, living up to all the hype. You, you put on the TV for two minutes, and his athleticism, his, his just how good he is, it just, I, I'm in awe watching him last night. Picks up a pass, you know, at the top of the three-point key, and you don't normally like to see your seven-footers hanging out that far away from the rim, but puts the ball between his legs, dribbles like he's a point guard, and this is a dude who's seven feet, then with a crazy dish underneath the basket to another U.S guy who was making a cut easy land for the finish and you're like oh my goodness this that's a seven foot guy playing point guard now obviously that's not where he's going to play in the NBA he's going to be a four or five but uh, you just see this guy can play multiple positions his length is going to cause havoc for Gonzaga and I think they do have a legitimate chance but um and here's some audio from Isaiah White following the win over Oregon and uh, USC you know taking a pretty calm cool approach um but they sound pretty confident you know as they head to face the Zags I don't know about what everyone what everyone else is saying all I know is that um this team is special and you know we believe we can be anybody so um we're gonna play our game we're gonna listen to what the game plan is and and we're gonna execute USC head coach Andy Enfield also pretty subdued in his post-game comments following the win over Oregon and he's just trying to keep his team grounded. Here's what he had to say. Well, it was a great win for us. Oregon's just an outstanding team. They were playing so well. I think they won 11 out of 12. We thought they were a top 10 team in the country. So congratulations first to uh, Coach Altman and their players. They had a terrific season. It was a little unfortunate that we had to play a Pac-12 opponent. But uh, the nice thing is we were both here in the Sweet 16. And I thought our team played exceptionally well tonight uh, against a, a very good basketball team. I've watched just about every single game of Gonzaga's season. And, you know, I, about a week into the season, you can go back and listen to one of my early podcasts or go check out the clips on YouTube. I said Gonzaga has a pretty good chance of going undefeated and, you know, being national champions. And 
We've talked about comparing them all throughout the podcast to the great UNLV team of the early 90s because they've actually beaten one of their records with consecutive wins by 10 points or more while a number one seed all season. So it's not easy to play with a target on your back, everybody coming after you all season because Gonzaga was the preseason number one, and here they are still undefeated. But if you look at the talent level, you know, obviously Gonzaga has at least three NBA players, maybe five. And USC has at least two, both Mobley brothers. You will see in the NBA, you know, having a lottery pick, Isaiah, I think, who knows if he gets drafted this year, whatever. Either way, you're going to see him in the NBA. I can guarantee that. But this is it. This is the best chance of, unless, you know, we get to the final and Baylor gets there. But this is the best chance of Gonzaga getting beat. So I want to go through some of the analytics for you to help maybe make up your mind. Gonzaga, the number one offense in the country. Nobody scores more points than them. USC, number 75. Gonzaga's defense, hey, that's where the rub is. Number 123. Not bad, but certainly not great. USC's defense, number 39 in the country. Field goal percentage, Gonzaga, number one in the country. USC, number 34. Free throws, here's what scares me. USC, number 325 in the country. There's 347 college basketball, Division I teams anyway. And so USC near the bottom in free throws. Gonzaga, 78. But as far as blocks, here's where USC has the edge. Number five in the country. Obviously, those big guys causing havoc. And Gonzaga, just number 213. So, hey, look, here's at some point, Gonzaga is going to lose, you think. Because you go look back in history. What do we have? Less than five ever perfect teams ever. I'm rolling with the analytics of history on this one. Gonzaga is a nine-point favorite. And this is the only bet I've actually made already. I put money, USC, on the money line to win straight up. Now, if you want to feel more comfortable, take the nine points, roll with that. But, you know, sometimes they don't call it gambling for nothing. I've got USC money line straight up, and then I'm going to figure out, I'm going to put a few bucks on every game happening, you know, tonight, tomorrow. But uh, that's the only one I am hell bent on right now. And then I'll, I'll, whatever my other predictions, I'll put a few bones here and there. But uh, USC money line, hey, it's okay to be wrong in this business, but this is one I'm uh, feeling good about being right. And so the final matchup of the Elite Eight. Late Tuesday night, number one, Michigan versus number 11, UCLA. The Wolverines, 23-4 and four out of the Big Ten. And, of course, UCLA out of the Pac-12, 21-9. Michigan got here by beating Florida State on the weekend, 76-58, behind 13 points from Franz Wagner. It was a pretty balanced attack for Michigan. Watched the entire game. I don't think this was ever really a game. I mean, maybe the first five minutes, it was a little, you know, touch and go. Everyone nerves, whatever. But I think Michigan pulled away pretty quickly and kept Florida State at bay. It was one of their better performances I've seen this year. I've watched Michigan quite a bit. I remember tweeting about Michigan earlier in the season after I watched them. They weren't even ranked. And I can't remember who they beat, but I just, I'd watched them two or three days in a row and was like, my goodness, this team is like elite eight good, maybe better. You can go check out my Twitter. I'd posted this, retweeted it the other day and be like, they just had the it. They're so deep, so many guys, they're very mature. And I think that's been a key to their success. And, and here's Franz Wagner echoing those comments following the win over Florida State. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, with experience, I think. Um, there also comes confidence to kind of adjust to, to new situations. So I think with B. Johns, you can see that, that um, I mean, from the first game, really, the Ohio State game, I think um, he played really well there and um, hasn't stopped since. So, um, I mean, but that's kind of been our identity all year, that next man up mentality and um, being confident out there, um, no matter what your role is. Um, and I think being an older team, I think that shows um, in, in those games when, when you maybe you give up a run or something like that 
and then you, you find a way to, to score a couple easy ones or get a couple important stops uh, to then uh, make a run of your own. I think um, that mental toughness, I think, is, is getting challenges this tournament especially, uh, but it has been all season. Also got some comments from Michigan head coach Jawan Howard, who, of course, a member of the Fab Five. I'm old enough. I remember watching every game of the Fab Five in their March Madness runs and um, so special. And I miss that era of college basketball so much. I just think the talent level is so much deeper because, you know, how many guys were in their junior and senior seasons that were superstars that should have been in the NBA. And you just don't necessarily get that right now. But here's Jawan Howard's comments following his win over Florida State on the weekend. Well, I just want to say this, that I'm so proud of our team on how they competed from start to finish. Give a lot of credit to Florida State, a well-coached team, a coach who I, I know very well, I have a ton of respect for. He runs an excellent program, developed young men, and I've been one of the recipients of uh, the, some of the development learning from Coach Ham. So um, it was a hard-fought victory, but now it's just one game at a time. we got to keep competing which our guys are looking forward to the next matchup. So Michigan will face UCLA. They got here by beating Alabama in overtime, 88-78. It was an ugly game. Watched the entire game. And I thought this was more, instead of UCLA being good, Alabama was just very bad. Just very sloppy play. The entire game was sloppy. I just, uh, you know, I, I think this is where the end of the line for UCLA here. I mean, this is basically Mick Cronin has done an outstanding job coaching this year, and I think UCLA has benefited immensely from his experience as a coach. Some decent players, Johnny Juzang's, you know, looking pretty good. Um, you know, they, they have a couple guys that can shoot the three. I just think UCLA going to have a really tough go of it going up against Michigan this week in the Elite Eight. But regardless, here's Mick Cronin with his comments following the win over Alabama. Sure. First of all, I want to congratulate Alabama on their season uh, to, to win the SEC uh, tournament and regular season. is a tremendous accomplishment. They got some excellent seniors. Uh, they play the right way. They play extremely hard, so congratulations to them. Uh, I've been on the other side of this, and it's, uh, it's like driving off a cliff. It's excruciating. So uh, it should not be uh, – the excellent season they had should not be dismissed. That said, you know, we, we held them to seven made threes. It was a huge key for us. Um, you know, I, we had guys, I, I, was, I told our guys, you know, the, the deeper you go, you got to keep us alive with your performance uh, on both ends. We have six guys in double figures, six. I think somebody asked me, in fact, my, my guy, when I'm done with this, I, I do radio, uh, the UCLA guy said, you know, what about scoring outside of Jaime and Jules? And, so scoring's not our problem. We got plenty of guys who can put the ball in the basket. You know, can we stop Alabama? Their speed, their quickness, their three-point shooting, and then you know keep them off the offensive glass. Second-chance points. We we're only minus two. Um, so I thought that was going to be the big key for us. I, 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 I thought you know game plan wise, you can game plan to defend the three, but when that ball comes off the rim uh, and it's in the air and on the floor, you can't let the other team want to win more than you. Um, and our guys did it, you know, we're not the most athletic team without Chris Smith and Jalen Hill. So our guys just did a great job. Early on, we were down eight, 19-11. I told them it, it was, uh, we were already minus five on the glass and it was headed, headed the wrong way. But uh, the guys toughened up and just did an unbelievable job of battling, you know, for a small team. And then Jalen Clark uh, got us some big offensive rebounds. We started getting, not only do we start block, blocking out better, 
we started offensive rebounding, which gave us uh, some life, some second chance points and some second chances to score, some opportunities to get the ball in the basket. So uh, I'm really, you know, and I would say, you know, look, we had a lot of guys that had great performances, but uh, David Singleton, just a tremendous kid. Uh, he's everything that UCLA is all about as a school. Just a great kid, great family, um, just great character. So happy for him. Just so happy for David. Just an unbelievable game for him. So I'll run through some of the analytics for you. Michigan versus UCLA as far as offensively and points scored. Michigan number 51 in the country. UCLA 111. Defensively, Michigan number 52 in the country and points allowed. UCLA 115. Free throws, that's one of my favorite stats. Always talk about it. Michigan number 25, UCLA 157. If you go through most of it, you know, following there, fairly even, whatever. But I think Michigan has the edge. They are seven-point favorites in the game. This is the end of the line for the UCLA Bruins and their magical run as an 11 seed. Wolverines should win this one comfortably. I'm taking Michigan minus seven. So I want to thank so many new listeners we got. I can't believe how many downloads we're getting on this podcast. A lot of Amazon listeners wasn't even aware of that. I'm an iTunes guy. I listen to iHeartMedia and all and all that. So cool to see Amazon, a great avenue for people to picking up the pod. I encourage all of you, drop me a line on Twitter, at Mr. McKee. Check out my articles on undraftedfreeagent.com, the website. My views going through the roof as well over the past week. Great to see. So Awesome to connect with all of you out there. Hope you keep on listening. I've got plans. I'm going to keep, I've been running this podcast since November and I'm going to keep it running all throughout the summer as well. I know obviously we're not going to be doing betting picks, but I'll do a little bit more kind of one-on-one interviews. You know, I've, had the opportunity to interview probably 60, 70 current Division One head coaches. I'll track down a whole bunch more of them. We've got relationships with, uh, you know, probably 40, 50 players playing in the NCAA. I do play-by-play up here for Orangeville Prep, the number one high school team in the country in Canada, which is where, you know, Jamal Murray, Thon Maker, uh, Ignis Brzdikas, who just got traded to the Philadelphia 76ers, Lugans Dort, Oklahoma City, whole number, O'Shea Brissett, who's with the Raptors, whole number of guys I did all their high school play-by-play. And as far as, you know, dozens upon dozens of current NCAA players. So um, I'll track a bunch of those kids down, get some audio, and uh, we're going to keep this. So please, we're going to keep this going. Please drop a subscribe. Hit me up on Twitter. Drop a follow on the undraftedfreeagent.com socials. We're trying to build them up. And most importantly, enjoy the hoops over the next couple days. The undraftedfreeagent.com mid-major podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugans. Dort. Oh, my. Brzdikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzdikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowich. They can't stop him. Moncrief! Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh!